Blog Talk Radio. Hey, I'm Jared Padalecki. And this is Jensen Ackles. And you're listening to Winchester Radio. Hey, everyone. Uh, welcome to tonight's edition of Winchester Radio. We're going to be talking about the Executioner's Song, uh, the most uh, latest episode directed by Phil Spagrisha and written by Robert Behrens. Um, thanks for listening. Uh, we appreciate it very much, however you found us. Uh, you can listen live. Hopefully, uh, y'all are listening now, 8 o'clock Eastern time on Saturday night. But if not, if you downloaded us or subscribed through iTunes, found us on winchesterbros.com with the links on the right side. Uh, you can also find all the information on Facebook and Twitter. Both of those are Winchester Bros. Twitter, of course, is at Winchester Bros. And we always tweet lots of links for the podcast, along with um, all the Supernatural news. Uh, again, welcome. Um, little background noise there. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Uh, let's see. I'm trying to close up the, my food container here, so sorry. <laughs> food? Who allowed you to eat? I haven't eaten. I wasn't told there'd be food. <laughs> I guess it's just like wow sound effects <laughs> I know it's not like the most exciting part of the podcast but I thought I would sort of say all that stuff at the beginning usually later <laughs> but okay um, we're good uh, we do not have a guest uh, tonight so we could take calls in a little bit to talk about this episode Questions, thoughts, possibilities, because we are not back until March 18th. So we've got um, a little bit of a hellatus to speculate on things. Um, the guest number call in for later is 347-205-9801. Um, for the most part, I can't say 100%, but I can say probably 97%. I just loved this episode and I loved it as a as a myth arc episode for this season I've had a couple others that I've really been fond of this season but despite them maybe having like a little bit of movement they've just been mostly monster of the week but this one was a myth arc episode and and I just loved it it was wonderful to see Timothy Amundsen again as Kane I, I will admit that part of my viewing was completely distracted by that absolutely gorgeous like mane of hair that he's got in this episode. He looks great in a beard and it suited Kane so well because it was so wild and un untamed. Like last time we saw him it was it was longish. But the I think the beard was a little more trimmed, the hair was under more control. It kind of suited him this time to just not care about what was happening. I mean, I don't know. I think basically the hair was for Gallivant for Tim Robinson, but that's okay. It worked really well for Kane this time. Um, mm -hmm. And I loved seeing him as a, as a character uncontained as well, because the last time we saw Kane, he was under control. He had the mark of Cain as controlled as it can be. And this time, while he wasn't out of control, 
the mark, he had allowed the mark to completely take over. And it, I thought it was a spectacular performance and I'm going to, I'm going to miss Kane and I'm going to miss Tim very much. Of course, you know, supernatural doesn't necessarily mean he's I'm gone still forever. Not sure he's dead. I'm not sure he's dead. So, I mean, well, we knew he stabbed. <laughs> that's for sure. Well, but we didn't, um, we didn't see, see we, they didn't show it. Why? You know, they always show the, the you know, they're, and Supernatural loves. You mean the aftermath. The aftermath. Right. Or even the stabbed, actual stabbing. We saw the emotion, but we stabbing. don't know. Yeah, we, mm-hmm. you know, the implication is all there. I'm of two minds about that particular moment. On one hand, I would love the idea that they've gone back to the, the crypty idea of things are worse when you don't see them. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of the, the the nightmare in your head is so much scarier than any mm. any any makeup or VFX can conjure because it's suited to you. So what I think is gory it's the Jaws may philosophy. not be exactly. So what I think is gory being you know a, a a fan of gory and gory movies, horror movies, what what some people call like torture porn. I like that kind of stuff. So what I consider gory is way over the top to someone who is squeamish about those kind of things. So the the, the theory is like theoretically, if they had shown it to me, I might have been I might have gone, huh, okay. Whereas somebody else might have gone, whoa, intense. So mm-hmm. I, I'm on I'm on one hand where I I would, mm, I don't want to say I hope because I really enjoy Kane, but. You know, how do you how do you know that a demon is how do you know a demon like that is dead? Because we have Adon that used her hand her her severed hand to pull the bullet out of her severed head. Mm. You can't just leave a corpse like that laying there. You just can't do that. And for all mm. intents and purposes, Dean did. We don't see. Well, what we don't happened. know. Yeah, but we don't from, see what happened. Um, Say I'm hugging Dean to uh, carrying Dean to being back at the right. bunker. We, we jump right to the bunker. We know that it appears Dean hasn't. I don't even doesn't even look like he showered. So I don't know. Well, he looks pretty bad back. still. No, yeah, obviously you're not going to get over that in a, in a day or so. Mm-hmm. He have he clearly hasn't slept yet. But um. Mm. On the other hand, I would like to see Kane back, so I I kind of like the ambiguity there. Mm. So, uh, uh, so I ha- I'm of two minds about that particular scene. Um, in terms of, you know, just to kind of piggyback what you said, not just Timothy Amundsen's hair, but I, I'm blown away by how absolutely gorgeous he was in this episode, and that's completely objectifying mm. and has nothing to do with his mm-hmm. acting ability, but I've been a fan <laughs> of his acting ability. I wasn't a fan of his acting ability for so long, but it, that's just a given to me. But watching him on so many other things and never once feeling like he was hot or like even registering mm-hmm. him as attractive, just like, yeah, all right. And just being completely floored. And obviously, yes, we have Yeah. Mm-hmm. We objectify 
God, we objectify the characters on this show. I mean, we do. Let's be real. There has never been an episode where I have so blatantly I gone. I cannot argue. Yeah, where I'm so, I'm so blatantly in my head gone, yes, I'm a general right or whatever, but you know who's really pretty? Kane. <laughs> my I favorite, know. My favorite tweet is that someone, said, someone tagged Amundsen in it, and it said something like, uh, he needs to be on people's hottest men over 50 list. He was like saying, I'm 45. But I mean, that said, the person intended it to be a compliment. <laughs> I, 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 I mean, I'm right there with you. I love, you know, huge fan of Spike. And mm-hmm. Lassiter, I love Lassiter, but Never once, you know, did I think, you know, hey, ooh, he's pretty, you know. And Never although he's always had the most gorgeous eyes. Um, but you don't even but, notice them on site. Like, you're like, no, no, that you don't. I didn't know they were so blue. Um, but then that fight scene was seen, and it was, every time he would brush his hair back, I was like, oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> I, Basically... I Amundsen stepped on the set. I feel like Amundsen stepped on the set and went better hair than Jared, bluer eyes than Misha. Ooh, I <laughs> might be a bigger badass than you, Jensen. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and then everybody else went, yeah. <laughs> this time, Seriously. Yeah. Oh, I, I was telling Vinny the other day, I want someone to make me a background for my computer uh, in of that shot where he's got his head laid, his head down, and his hair is hanging down his face, where he's waiting for Dean to kill him. Mm, I was like, I want that in black and white, and be my wallpaper gorgeous. on my computer because it's just oh, beautiful. Phil Sebastian did an beautiful. amazing job he directing. Out hair, yes. he out hair Jared Padalecki on his own yes, show. on his own. Nobody yes. else could ever say that. <laughs> like that, yeah. I would have previously right. said that it's was true. a statistical <laughs> impossibility. But um, no, no, Amundsen was there in the clinch. Yeah, so it's it's made me laugh though when when Cass like like tries to blast him and all he does is blow back his hair. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's one of those where you know there was there was obviously the plan involved. It was like, wow, that must be really emasculating to be like, I'm an angel. Let me do absolutely nothing but breathe at you okay right. <laughs> um let me style your hair <laughs> and, uh, and in 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 the interest of full disclosure because who's more non-disclosure than me on this podcast um the first time i watched this episode i really aside from the last few minutes of it i really didn't like it much and on the second viewing it grew on me um, I know that I am in the minority in that, um, and I think because, again, in the interest of full disclosure, uh, this episode was written by Robert Behrens, who I know is a fan favorite writer, but is not personally one of my favorite writers in terms of characterization and dialogue, and so I will admit that I was less watching the episode and more listening to the to the, to the episode and I, I I still feel like I have a lot of 
dialogue ticks dialogue tick issues with the episode and I have a lot of pacing issues with the episode. Um, and then I have some directing issues with the episode, which I, when it comes to certain things, you have to wonder what's part of the script and what's just a director's choice and what's an actor choice, um, which we can get into all those a bit later. But um, it is an episode that grew on me once I kind of let myself just watch it, which is, I think, when you get so into this fandom and you start watching the show in the way that we tend to, it's sometimes a difficult thing to do because you are aware of, we've discussed before, on on any almost any other show, I don't know who writes the episodes. I don't care. I don't keep track of you wrote this episode and so I know your style because of this. It's not something you tend to do very often unless you're really fanish about the show. So it's it's both a it's a good and a bad thing. It can be a hindrance. But the episode did grow on me and it's I would put it in my top hundred. <laughs> Maybe top fifty. Well last <laughs> year's last year's episode with Kane was my very favorite episode of the whole season. Mm-hmm. And so <laughs> this one is you know, this one, it, it will probably be, so far, it was, I'm putting it, you know, with, with half, midway through the season, it's in my top five for this season so far. Mm. I was, I was going to say, and it's kind of similar to what Susan said earlier, and I meant to, to comment, but I got distracted. Um, I agree. And with her, all of, all of my favorite episodes this season have been, one shot, monster of the week, whatever you want to call them, episodes, self-contained episodes. This is probably, I would say, my favorite Miss Arc episode of the season. I have thoughts and issues on the whole idea of monster of the week versus Miss Arc, anyway. Um, but that's neither here nor there. There was that great it. article. That was that great article we tweeted a couple weeks back. Um, uh, yeah. The, the, the hyperbole article. Yeah, the hyperbole yeah, article. Was, and I really enjoyed that article. Oh, it, was, I love, it, it articulated it. how mm-hmm. important Monster of the Week episodes are. Exactly. It articulated what I was unable to really say about Monster of the Week episodes. And basically, to for anybody who missed the link, and if you want, um, let us know. Give us a tweet. We'll, re- we'll tweet it to you because I do have the link saved. For that reason, um, it discussed how it, how the Monster of the Week episodes are the bread and butter of Supernatural, and I've kind of begun to really resent when people call the Monster of the Week filler episodes because I actually feel the reverse of that lately. I feel more like uh, the Mon- the Miss Arc episodes tend to feel more filler. This is probably the first Miss Arc, Miss Arc episode of the past few years. That didn't feel filler to me. I feel like Miss Arc episodes, which we've discussed also on the on the podcast recently, especially it's been a big subject for us this season, have been a way to go. Okay, we Misha's a regular, and we finally got Mark as a regular. Cram him in, and mm. as a result, this is this was probably the most balanced of that of of usage of all that. Um, 
And also, I think this was the best we've seen Ruthie Connell be to the past couple episodes we saw, we had discussed where the mm. character did kind of waver into caricature and we weren't sure who's, I don't want to say fault because that's a weird word for it, but who's doing that was, if it was writers, directors, Ruthie, Mark, what was the reasoning behind it? And this was the first time she felt slightly more organic. Mm. Um, organic Especially at the end. Especially at the end. The end was great. The only mm-hmm. thing, again, it's those, those weird dialogue picks that I, I mentioned that I had with the episode. One of those was hers where she, I forget exactly what her line was, but she was basically said, you know, I traveled to find you. <laughs> All I could hear, because she's Scottish, and the way the line was written was, all I could hear was, and I would walk 500 miles, and I would walk 500 more just to be the <laughs> mother who, and all I could hear, and it's those things that I think, as a writer, you maybe have to kind of be a little more aware of. Um, I think... And it's funny because I have a really big problem with this line, but then I did something similar to it today, so I, I'm almost justifying it. But the fact that Dean hands cast the blade to hide from him, I don't want to know where this is because I can't be around it. And you cut to the very next scene, and the first thing he asks Cass is, where'd you put the blade? That is the stupidest piece of dialogue. But then today I told my mother, I meant to tell you something and I forgot what it was. And she said, what was it? And I was like, I just said, I forgot. I don't know. <laughs> and so in a way, I guess yeah. as, as people, we do say stupid things like that. <laughs> like, uh. <laughs> But I really, it's one of those moments where I wanted Cass to turn to him and go, up your ass. Like, so badly. <laughs> that or just, seriously? <laughs> yeah, yeah, or like, or just give him this this look like, are you for real? You know? I don't know. I mean, it was just a yeah, weird well, dialogue pick. I love the gl- the glare Cass gives him, though, like, like seriously. <laughs> you know, like, well, I'm going to answer that question. And I, don't know, think but it I, was, I don't think that it translated right because, again, where I go back to actor choices versus director choices, and we don't know if, what if was it in the script, whose decision was it, but I don't understand why Dean says they have to go save Austin, and Cass's reaction is to glare at Dean, no, to squint at Dean very confusedly as to why Dean Winchester wants to save a child. Why mm. is it perplexing to you? Why are you confused? This is literally his thing. He is one eight hundred save a kid. That's, that's actually that's one of my issues with this episode. It, it just and it, I say they're 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 pretty small, but that scene where where Dean's like finds out it's a twelve year old kid and Sam and Cass are like and and Dean just looks yeah. at him like who are you? People? <laughs> you know? And I, and do you and know I get, me? <laughs> yeah, and I I can't figure out if their their the intent was you shouldn't go to this. But Cass looks utterly bewildered that Dean would want to save a child. And then they set it all up, and Cass is like, I don't know, he's playing with a mm, basketball. 
you Metatron shoved the entirety of pop culture into your head and a basketball perplexes you? <laughs> Why? Why? Um, I have that issue. Um, I don't understand why they knew. Okay. I don't understand how they even thought what the theory was behind the idea that the blade would even kill Kane. But okay. Let's put that aside for a second. If you I are think it was it was sure... mentioned in, it was mentioned last year, wasn't it? When he gave it when? to him. No, he when just he... says I trust that the next time you'll see me you'll kill me, but he doesn't say that's why. How? I took it at the time that that was how. I you know, I'm no, couldn't think of any other been... way than the blade. You know, it's, well, it's they like the only thing that could that there have was any power. A way to kill. They hadn't worked out that there was technically a way to kill. And separate to that, the blade was a, like, literally a mission they sent Crowley on. So yeah, I, 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 needed more, I needed more cohesion with that. It's too much of, well, maybe, because, okay, so I have that one. So okay, fine. We've mm-hmm. decided that this is this is factual. We also know that he's, you know, father of murder, king of the night to hell, whatever. Basically, ninety nine point nine 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 percent invincible. Correct. We all agree on that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Explain to me why Dean packs a whole duffel bag of guns. Yeah, that was another one. I'm like, wow, he's literally. Separate. You're just packing anything, anything to, to take a chance on. Distraction, something to do. They make you feel better. I just like yeah, it's I, I, be a teddy bear or a blanket. Just to get a teddy bear or a blanket. It's gonna be the cold. I can't say why are you taking a. I can't say why are you taking a gun to a knife fight. It's the first time in history that you are taking you, the inappropriate reaction is to take a gun to a knife fight. I was like, I, just I, take I a pea shooter and a butter knife. It'll be the same thing. Like, literally, all you need is your jacket and your cell phone for this. You can't do anything else unless Crowley comes through for you. Jacket, cell phone, brother, best friend, and go. That's it. Go. <laughs> snack. <laughs> a bag and of not, snacks. Yeah. Yeah, t- take, a, take a snack. But it wasn't even just like... A gun, it was all the guns, all the guns <laughs> in the duffel. <laughs> I really think it was like it was like comforting. I really do. It, it had to be, otherwise there's no explanation. Well he I looked very purposeful and it was so many yeah, and it was so many shots of him doing it. Like close up of the pearl handle, close up of this, like we were very emphasizing the packing of the completely useless guns. <laughs> I don't know. Like I said, they they could be a comfort. Maybe he thought if there was anything else out there. I I don't know. They're they're what he used to. That's how he prepares for a job or a hunt. It's like um, maybe it's the ritual. I don't know. But but truly, he had to know they weren't they were nothing. I mean, the only weapon worthwhile would be the first blade. <laughs> Um, exactly, and and Sam was I, like, "Weapons? Nah." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he didn't bring any chest. Like, whatever. I don't have. He doesn't he have his little Dean's entire bunkers worth of guns <laughs> with him. 
I I was waiting for the scene of go, of Dean going down to the shooting range and getting all the extras. <laughs> like little things like that really bother me because I feel like we could have maybe because I felt like the first thirty minutes of thirty plus minutes of the episode were quite slow. I felt like we maybe could have done something different in terms of that. Um. I will say the scene with with Kane's killing fields that Cass finds, that entire mm. thing, scene with uh, with Kane and, and Cass was was gorgeous and very well mm. acted by both men. Uh, yeah, it was fantastic. Probably one of the most mm-hmm. beautiful scenes we've seen since possibly Purgatory. If I had to, if I had yeah. to really put a, a a fine line on it. Probably since Purgatory, it was gorgeous. It was. It reminded me of um, Lazarus, Lazarus Rising, with the field where Dean comes through. I didn't get. Ground. A, I didn't get. I didn't feel that way. I, I really felt Purgatory. <laughs> I felt Lazarus That's Rising okay. too. I, I no, no, I no. I'm on your. I, I'm saying everybody was saying it, and I was like, huh, didn't even occur to me. I'm not saying yeah. it was crazy. gorgeous. It was beautiful. I think purgatory. Yeah. To, I think it struck with me as purgatory versus Lazarus. Or I think for everybody else, was more the coloring used was more purgatory to me versus Lazarus rising. So once people said it, I was like, really? "Oh, I see that. Okay, yeah, just that very muted kind of look." It's muted, but I thought purgatory was much more washed out and a and like a callback to the first couple of seasons where everything was like a like a muted water color with, I with felt like this was washed down in a good way except for the two men with the very very blue eyes mm. having a blue eye off yeah I I loved that scene too I loved the dialogue I loved the way they acted it it was just wonderful and I loved cast I loved uh, uh, Kane saying to cast you're not on my list and yeah, like absolutely. like, like it's a brush off. It's like you're not on my mm-hmm. list. It was and that whole dismissal yeah. of wonderful. No, yep. although yeah. you know it didn't make sense because obviously Cass wouldn't be on his list because Cass is an angel and was never human. And but either way, the delivery of the line was great. I don't understand. Yeah, that. but the delivery I think it was, was just. Great. I think it was just a brush off. You know, it's like eh, you're not. Yeah, like you're list. unimportant. You're not of consequence mm. to me. Yeah. Well, he explained it later, you know, that he did that because he knew Castiel would come back and tell Dean, and Dean would come back mm-hmm. with the boy. Mm-hmm. Right, but again, it's one of those, like I said, those little glitches where I think the dialogue could have been reworked to make it more cohesive, because if I was Cass, I would have told him, obviously. <laughs> like, clearly I'm not on your list. Duh. So, again, <laughs> this was the episode for me where Cass, I feel like Cass just walked around telling everyone, duh. And then, <laughs> and, but, you know, on the same hand, he was confused about basketball. So, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> it was an odd thing where he said, I think he's playing basketball. Like, he didn't get why he was playing basketball. Like, he knew what a basketball yeah, was. Think, he just didn't get why the yeah, kid was I, playing or something. And <laughs> ever... <laughs> it was really. Per- I just think a lot of the it, it was this weird this weird mix for this episode where either I didn't like the line but I liked the delivery, 
or I liked the line, but not the delivery. It was very mm. strange. Mm. Um, I you know, you know mm-hmm. I was gonna, uh, I was gonna just because I w- we were talking about Kane. I thought I loved his entrance to the episode where he yes. was slowly walking through the prison there, you know, and he, I, I just, oh, that is just too spooky. And then just popping in there and scaring the crap out of a serial killer. And that scene, I think it. I rewound it. I think I, 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 I went back and watched it so many times. I, I don't even know how many times I, I couldn't count the the music the tap of the nightstick to go with the music the spookiness where the he came comes to the bars the lights go out and when the lights come back on he's on the other side of the bars I was just oh it's wonderful that he's walking down the hallway in the prison just tapping and then he gets to where he wants to be I just thought it was just gorgeous and then the scene where he kills Tommy he toys with him for a little while and then kills him was amazing yes I loved it so good Mm. and I liked um, one of the things that when you know they introduced this type of mythology in season four um, I had a lot of mixed feelings about it because one of the reasons I like I stuck with supernatural uh, in the beginning was because it didn't take a religious route at all. And so when they introduced angels, I was I had a lot of trepidation. And one of the things I really liked was when you know Eric was very clear about his angels not being you know fluffy cloud sitters, and they were very true to how I you know my religious teachings taught me about angels is they are scary and you will fear them and they are going to hurt you. They're not here to help you. They're here to hurt you. Um, And I always liked that. And so what I liked about Cain in this instance, you know, kind of going along the same type of belief system is when he tells, when he tells Tommy, I'm sure you're wondering if I'm here to, um, what does he say, to save you, to kill you or to save you? And he says both, which is just so very clearly biblical Biblical anyway. And I really liked that. Um, it was just such a, it was a small thing, but I really, really liked that just tiny moment of that. And I liked um, the scene where, Sam is basically, you know, Dean, Dean names off serial killers. Sam tells how many victims that guy had. And, you know, finding out that Sam is a fan of true crime. And Dean is like, you're just too creepy. That's just creepy, you know. And <laughs> I, I, I like that because that's totally a big brother, little mm-hmm. brother thing. I'm also like, well, you know, I'm a fan of true crime. And I don't go around well, killing things a lot. So I would think, you know, well, <laughs> Oh, I don't at all. I'm not on <laughs> killing anything. I don't kill anything yeah, at you, all, period. You might want to be careful with that. These podcasts are recorded. Archived. I don't kill things. I don't kill people, demons, monsters, whatever. I don't kill anything. I might kill bugs, but that's it. Um, yeah, <laughs> mosquitoes, please. But, um, 
you know, for a dean to think that's weird, I'm like, I don't think it's weird. <laughs> well, and I that's another one of those dialogue things that I had uh, mixed feelings about. Because on one hand, I'm a fan of true crime as well, and I, you know, but like you, I don't go around killing things uh, often. <laughs> and, Again, um, recorded. <laughs> I, I'm aware. Um, <laughs> but I did think it's a weird hobby to give Sam, because you would think he'd want to decompress from things like that. This, but I, I don't know. I, I did. I found it strange, and just a I, way to get that 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 to work, that he would know, have this information. I had the thing is, like, it might. I'm I'm not a fan of true crime because because it's true, which sounds kind of wacky, <laughs> but it's like it's too true. It could happen. I live in Florida. It's like all the nuts roll down to Florida. We're filled with like some of the worst. <laughs> serial killers in in history. I was on the campus of the University of Florida when Ted Bundy was terrorizing and killing at FSU and then no one knew where he was and this was this was before the days of cell phone and social media when you could really keep track of things um um so easily. I, I do not like true true crime and it's one of the reasons I love shows like Supernatural or Buffy or Angel. Well, you know, we're fairly certain werewolves or vampires and those kind of monsters aren't real. So I'm okay with that. So I'm thinking maybe since Sam knows there are monsters that it's almost comforting to deal with your basic serial killer. If that makes any sense, <laughs> kind of, and it, it's it, all, makes, it, it doesn't make un, un, sense. Yes. Cause that's English. <laughs> um, At least you didn't say I just, it was nonsense. <laughs> Um, as long as I don't say, uh, um, uh, anyway, um, I, it's just one of those things, again, nitpicky, I just found it strange, and not strange in the way that Dean did, where I, it was just one of those where it's like, you know, when there's so much horror in your in your actual life, why would you seek out additional horrors that you kind of really can't control when there are so many horrors that you do control. Like that's literally your job is to save people. Why would mm. you seek out stories about the people you couldn't save because that's not not exactly your wheelhouse to deal with real serial killer. I don't know. It was weird and I don't, I don't well, know. But it could I be also it. he you know, he could be also checking into them to see if they are no, he very himself. much said it was he very much said it was a hobby. Well, what I'm, I know, but what I'm would you prefer needlepoint? Would you prefer Sam needlepoint? <laughs> yes, actually, or I would. Bass fishing? <laughs> yes, yes, actually, I would. <laughs> to be completely the needle honest, point would be I would rather something a little more off the wall than something that just seems so... Uh, it almost felt really... Because true crime is also a kind of a trendy thing right now, um, it felt tr- it felt trendy and it felt weird and it felt just to make the, the story. It didn't feel organic to me. It just didn't. And you know, just a, my opinion on it. It was just mm-hmm. one of those things where I always feel like I said. Sometimes you just want your own joke to work so bad that you don't care how much sense it makes. 
and that's how it felt with me. Mm. I also so you, about you just want to inject so much of yourself into your writing because writing has to be has to have a personal touch to it that sometimes you forget that you're not your character. And especially with characters that are established, you kind of have to sit there and go, well, does this really make sense? For, for me as a viewer and someone who's watched the show for so long, it didn't make sense for me. But that's just for me. It was weird. I didn't like it. And also about the scene, I liked that it was shot from the back seat. I don't think we've ever seen... In mm. ten years of uh, ten years of the show, I don't remember seeing another scene shot like that before. Mm. Yeah, do you recall? I mean, it's very unusual. I mean, it, it was mm-hmm. I was like, ooh, backseat, backseat viewpoint. Very cool. Um, there was another instance in this episode, actually, another little thing that that bugged me about it, and it kind of goes along with the um, <laughs> everyone being surprised Dean would want to rescue a twelve-year-old. So I did actually later on. Sam did say, "Oh, great, we're you know can't use twelve year old as bait." But but when Cass is torturing the demon to find out information, well, first he's torturing, and then the second when the guy tells him what he wants to know, he just kills him. I'm like, I like that. <laughs> I like that a lot because it was there was badass cast in that scene and you know no, that's true but it's I didn't like, dislike I, it but I had this moment of I want I just kind of I didn't literally scream because I don't talk to I'm one of the people who doesn't talk to the TV uh, my mother does so we can't both do it because awkward um, but in my head it was like hypocrite like oh okay Dean can't even punch Metatron without you getting all cranky faced about it because you made a promise. Oh, but you can just torture and kill at will. Oh, sure, fine. Yeah, you do that. Mm. Well, Metatron and, but, Metatron and Demon are two totally different things. Plus, no, they're <laughs> really not anymore. This, this, this low-level Demon guy, yeah, I think he should have killed him. Metatron killed Dean. He literally murderated Dean. Yes, but Dean. he's also a prisoner in heaven right now, and he made a deal with the jailer up there and so he couldn't bring him down here and kill him he had to bring him back I could, I'm fine with that or what or what the angels are going to get mad at Cass remember the time that Cass mass murdered a bunch of angels they oh believe me I remember that I remember yeah. that and, and everybody about, else is over it so you know whatever man I, I, I had no problem I mean Sam and Dean have done the same thing so I had no problem no yeah with- no, I didn't have an issue with him killing him. Literally, like, no, I had an issue with the hypocrisy. Not the actual well, That's what I'm saying. Sam and Dean have done the same thing. Sam and Dean have said, you know, tell us what you want, we'll let you go, and then they kill him anyway. Oh, so. yeah, no, the hypocrisy of not letting him hurt and, or even torture Metatron. That hypocrisy. Well, I was talking I was talking about the scene you were talking about with the cast and the demon. You yes, that's what I'm saying. He killed the demon. Why can't why can't Dean kill Metatron? I don't understand. Well, still Dean don't understand didn't, I'm still Dean there had, about that. Dean hadn't made a deal with somebody to bring the demon back safely, whereas Cassiel had blah, made blah. a deal with someone. So there's a t- total difference there. Total difference. No. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I don't care about somebody else's deals. <laughs> I'm still well, there about that dialogue where, where Sam says, you killed 
my brother. I don't care what happens to you. Oh, wait. No, wait. Cass is right. You shouldn't kill me. Still bitter about that dialogue. I just thought it was another instance of we don't even bother to save the save the host anymore. No. No. Yeah. And I really thought we were going to get more into that this season because they kind of set it up that we were going to. But no. No. In that scene also, I don't, um, I caught it the first time I saw it. And then I don't, I think maybe it was Jim Michaels who tweeted about it later. Um, there was a tribute to, um, the crew member, Matt Riley, who, who died. Yeah. Um, they had his picture hanging up on the wall as teacher of the year, I think. And Castiel walks past it. And I thought that was a really, really lovely tribute to have his picture there. Mm-hmm. Definitely. It was I, I, you know, I liked the episode immensely. It was I thought mm-hmm. it was great, and that end scene, I'm still off. Mm. Uh, uh, the way Dean, the look on his face as he leaves the kitchen, and mm. oh, we could talk mm-hmm. about that for hours because I think mm-hmm. you know because he looked kind of like he was pissed and you know you it was like the mask was leaving his face you know he was and you know so it, it makes you think so was he um is he actually you know going back to the dark side now and that was the look on his face where he's you know this you know he's basically thinking this of the stupid people you know talking about Cassiel and Sam I read it uh, you more know. as I read it more as because I've seen a lot of discussion about that um which is the weird thing about doing our podcast, you know, a little bit later because, you know, it's unavoidable to discuss it with other people and to, you know, see discussion of it at this point. But um, I saw some people see it how you did, like more of him thinking, you know, you, you idiots or um, more dark side. I personally read it as more of him thinking, I don't know how long I can fake it to make it. How, you know that he's yeah like, I can mm, see that he's trying yeah. so hard to keep it together, and the mm-hmm. minute he's out of their their eye line, he's like I I just it's that that feeling of okay I can I can breathe because he doesn't have to pretend if they're not watching him. Mm-hmm. I I could totally see that too. That's why I was saying we could mm-hmm. talk about it for hours because there's so many different ways yeah. you could read that scene, and I, I love that they did that. I loved when Sam loses his facade and tells oh, Cass, Dean, yeah. you oh, know, Cass, Dean's in trouble. Oh. And I'm like, oh, my God, that is, like you said, heartbreaking. The look on his face and tears in his eyes. And he's so, he's terrified for Dean, just terrified. Uh, that's probably thought, the scaredest look I've ever seen Sam have. And, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, because he's always had, it's not that he doesn't have faith in Dean because that's unwavering for him, mm-hmm. but it's that feeling of it's it's it was this this view of I have faith in him, but that doesn't mean that it's not if it's beyond his control, it doesn't come down mm-hmm. to faith or no faith. It's you know what are you gonna do mm-hmm. and. It's one of those weird things where they they do play 
they did it with with Dean with Sam and the blood, and they're doing it now with Dean and the Mark. And they did it more last year than they're doing it this year, where it was the drug addict um, angle. And the with addiction, that is something you can control or transfer in a way. Like you know, sometimes people, and this has happened to people in, in my in my life where you have someone who's an addict or an alcoholic and they tend to turn to church or to religion or, you know, in terms of ways to cope with that and that becomes an addiction. And it's a much healthier addiction. So everyone's everyone's happy. We, this is good. In this case, where last year they were, for season nine, they were really doing the addiction angle with Dean. And this year it's almost more like a, like a cancer angle where it's, you're sick and you know you're sick and everyone around you knows you're sick but you just keep telling yourself if I just keep going to treatment and I or if I just do what I have to do then I'm fine but the minute everyone is out of your room you just kind of break down uh and I I I feel like that's how how Dean feels right now where he has to he has to do that and I think Sam's doing the same thing where it's he believes that Dean can control it up to a point. But once Mm. it becomes something that Dean, what if it becomes something that's not within Dean's physical or mental ability, not anything against Dean, but just something that can't be because it's a supernatural force. And he's on his own now because before I always thought it was, there was Cain with the mark of Cain and, Dean with the mark of Cain and it kind of spread it and Cain was the first and he was kind of keeping the brunt of this but now he's gone so it's all on hmm, Dean. That's interesting. I never thought about that. No. If Cain actually is dead. If Cain is actually <laughs> Asterisk, caveat, if, yes. Um, I hadn't actually thought of that because I think it's interesting that they're kind of doing a weird thing where with Cain, he clearly was able to control it for as long as he did until he just kind of cracked. Yet he says there's only remission and relapse. Right, but they're not even giving Dean a real remission. And mm. I'm curious as to why that is. Um is you know does does he need to go farming? Be, but he's doing his equivalent of farming. So I, I, mm. I I'm I'm interested to see if that's addressed and if and how that's addressed. Um, I if we see like, Dean in a bee, if if the next episode Dean's wearing a beekeeper's outfit, then we'll know. <laughs> oh, I, I'm, I might have to run away from the show forever he um, might just be sitting there with a whole table full of corn to shuck you know I, right, right. There's, there's only so much ridiculousness I can cope with uh, and that that's that, that's one of them <laughs> but I did I did really like that that Cass doesn't even really try to ask Dean how he is. He just knows that he knows mm. that it will, no matter what answer he gets, he's going to have to ask Sam to either 
clarify or verify. And so he just skips it entirely and just goes straight to Sam about it. And I liked that a lot. Um, Because we've discussed before that Sam doesn't ever have anybody to talk to and he doesn't have anybody to to be there for him when he's going through these kind of things. And so I, I really enjoyed that, that we get to see someone um, that Sam can talk to and Sam can mm-hmm. attempt to relate to or relate with about this. Mm-hmm. I do have to say, going back to something else, that this is one of those um, – probably unpopular opinions. I'm really mad at Dean for being mean to Crowley. (laughs) (laughs) I know that that's... Dean was mean to the king of hell. Oh, no. No, exactly. I know it's stupid. I know it's stupid. Don't get me wrong. I'm fully aware that it's a ridiculous opinion to have. Do not misunderstand me. Um, But... (laughs) I just, it's one of those things where when you can't trust the good guy, who can you trust? And I also, if you're going to throw the blade in the ocean, metaphorically speaking, why not give it to the actual most trustworthy person, who is Sam? And I don't understand it because... Over the course of, we've known Crowley and Cass for nearly the same amount of time at this point, and both have proven themselves both trustworthy and untrustworthy, and together, in fact. So I don't see the difference, really. And I think that's that's what annoyed me about it is, you put the blade away from someone you don't trust to give it to someone that you can't necessarily trust. Well, I think it made complete sense because, first of all, Castiel has access to areas of the world that Dean, that Sam cannot get to. Like, you know, Castiel could take it up on top of a, you know, mm. of Mount Kilimanjaro, you know, or something. Are and you saying that Sam couldn't hike, or couldn't climb Kilimanjaro? How dare? How and, dare? You know. Also, anything Sam would come up with, I think Dean would figure it out because he knows him so well. You know, yeah, any, I think Sam is the worst idea to give the blade to yes, to hide. Yes. I close. just don't think that there's yeah. a difference between Crowley and Cass, really. I just don't. Well, there's basically his only option, so he had to pick one. Right, so leave it with Crowley. No, he he's all, he, Crowley, he already actually, and all this time, Crowley didn't betray him, betray Sam or Dean about the blade until Dean asked him for it. For a, because, and because Dean lied for it, Cass is going to do the same. Let's be real; we're going to see the blade again. This is not the last we're going to see of the blade. That's uh, that's oh, of course not. But it might. So it Cass is going to do the same thing. We don't know if Cass is going to betray him, though. No, not betray necessarily, but I'm saying, like, really, it's six in one hand, half a dozen in the other with who you leave it with. Well, I think out of the choices he had, he made the best He made the best decision. Uh, I don't necessarily agree. If he left it with Sam, he could get it back tomorrow. 
Okay. We'll take Sam out of it. We'll take Sam out of it because... Okay. Okay. I'm saying between Cass and Crowley, I don't see a difference in terms of who's trustworthy and who's not and who can be manipulated by Dean and who can't. I think they're literally equivalent in that. And so I don't... If if I was Dean, I would 100% trust Castiel more than I would trust Crowley. Why? Well, Castiel's shown him 50 million times that he's more of a friend, and he's there for him more. Yeah, sure, he's done bad things. Everybody on the show's done bad things. No, I'm not saying that he hasn't. I'm just saying I feel like in terms of uh, devotion to Dean. Well, that's just Crowley. I don't want to Crowley sit crush on him, but... No, I don't even mean crush. I don't even mean devotion like that. I mean, in terms of, you know, they've both been allies and they've both betrayed. And one is both, an angel, one is the king of hell. I would much okay, rather trust an angel than the king of hell. Well, we've also established that the angels on the show are dicks. So yes, but Cass- argument. Castiel is one of the few, though, that's not. But I'm not even I'm not even saying angels versus demons. I'm saying literally personalities, just literally personalities. Yes, I would. If I was Dean, I would pick Castiel over Crowley. Well, Cass is going to let you down. Castiel's way more trustworthy than Crowley. But he's going <laughs> to let you down because we are going to see the blade again. But we don't know how we'll see the blade again. No. Either way, he's going to let you down because either he's going to either he's going to let Dean manipulate him for it, or he didn't hide it well enough. There's there's a bunch of different ways that we could see it again, and it does, they don't all involve Castiel being duped or being a bad guy. I, I don't know. I'm just saying. I've watched the show for a few years. <laughs> I feel. The running theme with Cass is that he gets duped in some way, and it's I it irritates me to be honest because I think it's a huge disservice to the character. But it's a running theme; he constantly gets duped. Well, Crowley, Crowley got duped in this episode. That's my point. Crowley got duped. That's how he got the. That's how he got. That's how Dean got Twice. the first blade. Um, in this episode was by duping Crowley. So right I'm there, saying, he wait, wait, I'm saying, what's the difference? Uh, other, the than to, other than to have the big dramatic moment of, no, not you, but you. It has other to go than have that big dramatic moment. I don't see the difference between the two characters in actuality. Well, Dean, know, Dean knows he already dumped Crowley. He already duped Crowley. So there, if you don't want, if you don't want to get it again, don't give it to the guy that you know you've already duped. <laughs> you know, so give it to the take it away from the guy you just duped and give it to the guy you've duped before who you'll probably dupe again, but you're just gonna keep duping people because you're Dean Winchester and you're very, very He had he had to do something. He could either keep it with him, which make him go crazy and might go kill the neighbor, or he had to hand it off to somebody. You didn't have any he, that's not his only choices. <laughs> <laughs> I'm amused by that analogy just because he has no neighbors. It was funny. (laughs) 
like, well, I was talking about Austin. No, Austin. I know. I said what you meant. It was just funny. <laughs> In the grand scheme of Winchester's, it was funny and also kind of depressing. Well, yeah, 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 yeah. Both of those. That one suck. But no, like I said, it was one of those where I just felt. I mean, and it's. I should say it's. It's a compliment to Mark's acting that I felt bad for Crowley because I felt I felt Crowley's gut punch on that. Mm. I think they're going to use it. I think I think I shouldn't say I think I should say I hope that they're using that and the final scene with Rowena to get Crowley back on track of being. Mm. You know, That's the what Crowley I that we miss. I'm really hoping oh, that. Oh, yes. Um, again, yeah. I don't see how you finesse that. And then going into season 11, I'm not entirely sure how everything's going to play out. But, um, well, I the big yeah, long I'm, speech in that, Kate, that Kane gave when he said, you know, it'll start with, you know, first you'll kill Crowley and that'll bother you and then you'll kill your friend, you know, uh, Castiel and that will be devastating, but then it'll be your brother. And I'm like, you know, I, it was a little bit of a throwback to me when they used to, like, make an announcement at the beginning of the season and say, you know, well, Dean's going off to hell if, if we don't do this. And then they would do it and it reminded me, I wonder if that's they just laid out exactly what's going to happen for the rest of the season, <laughs> you know. Um, um, Quite possibly. You know, And that was so, another nitpick in dialogue that I had where it was, you're going to live my, my life in reverse. And then he completely mm-hmm. outlined something that was not actually a reverse at all, except that it ends with uh, killing Sam, his brother, but none of the rest fit with the reverse analogy, and that was odd. Because Cain didn't kill any friends after he killed his brother, so what? I don't understand. Well, in the Bible, but in the supernatural Cain story, he may have, we just don't know about it. Well, but I mean, again, you're laying it out in terms of like things we should have known and it, it resonates with Dean. And yet there's technically nothing for us to catch any resonation with. Again, that's just, that is a dialogue nitpick I have with this. Um, I mean, it was again, great delivery of a line. And I think sometimes, that can save dialogue, but then when you think about it, you're going, well, what do you mean exactly? I don't understand. Um, just. Oh, kind of, and I don't know why that made me think of it, but uh, when you were saying that, it made me think of the scene where um, Cain stabs the little boy, and, you know, the little boy's just been, uh, you know, a hologram, basically, and it, he turns into that purple smoke. Oh my gosh, that purple smoke was so pretty. I'm like, oh, that is the most <laughs> beautiful purple smoke I've ever seen. <laughs> it was pretty. It was so pretty. pretty. Can you come to my house and, <laughs> you know, do this in my house and make my house all pretty and purpley? <laughs> and I, oh, I hate when we disagree about things, even though we do it all the time. Um, I don't like the puff of purple. I'm so over pink and purple puffs of smoke in this show. Why, when did that become a thing? Why is everything pink and purple now? 
Where was the pink? I don't remember the pink. We had pink last season. We've had purple twice this season. Why? I understand. Where was the wow. seriously? Where was the pink? I don't remember the pink. The pink was actually in Baron's that uh, uh, episode with the Pepto Bismol Angel thing last season. Okay, I don't. Uh, no, nobody. Do really? I not remember season nine? I don't remember that. Apparently, you don't. The <laughs> I can't even remember the name of the episode. Nine oh six with in cast with the Slurpees, and then um, and then the and, and then okay, the I remember the Pepto. Slurpees. Yes. Everything yes. was Pepto Bismol oh, in that episode. Kid with the with the earring and all that. Yeah. Okay. Yes. I barely remember. Everywhere. Um. And then this season we've had pink, we've had purple twice. So uh, yeah, where was yeah, the other purple time? Oh, the episode that shall not be named. The two hundred. Yes. Oh, <laughs> that wasn't smoke though. That was like gooey. Stuff. I didn't say smoke. I just said purple. Okay, and okay, pink. okay. The other one wasn't smoke either. <laughs> it was Pepto Bismol. I'm just tired of my. Sh- what? These are not. Why are we using these colors? I don't understand. Because they're pretty. My <laughs> show is not pretty. It's a horrible Those always have been kind of magical colors, uh, not just supernatural. I mean, you know, because otherwise many other colors are too, they blend in to the rest of the scene too much, I think. You know, because if it was green or dark, red or whatever they mean other things on the show or they blend in too much but purple sort of then give me other orange give me oh orange. no i hate orange mm. orange is the worst color ever seriously i hate orange no orange oh dear <laughs> <laughs> i refuse to why stay in hotels that are orange work. So. This no orange orange should work no uh, orange I already but any I'm moving past your I don't care. Complete ridiculous what bias ever? against I don't like orange either, but orange is the Dan Fogarty of colors, okay? So just hush. Well that just proves <laughs> even further that you're wrong about things all over the place. <laughs> I like orange. <laughs> oh <my> God. <laughs> I'm done. This is my last podcast. I can't podcast with people who like orange. I have no real opinion about orange. <laughs> I'm, I'm surprised. <laughs> I, I literally have, I, I just happened to look over at something that was kind of slightly melon colored. <laughs> orange. The, the, rim on my, the rim on the bottle of lotion next to me is orange. That was the whole basis behind the choice of orange. <laughs> This was not an actual VFX pitch in any way. <laughs> but the point it's because is, of the shade I of orange. Are you the point? Are you anti all not... orange, or do you like against orange, but you like coral? Is is cantaloupe okay? <laughs> but oh, oh, no. pinkish. If it's pinkish, that's okay. I like pink, and I and I love to eat. The, I love the fruit. Orange fruit, I'll eat. I'll eat them all day long. So, yeah, yeah we're not doing we're not doing anything cantaloupe colored, named, referenced. No <laughs> cantaloupes ever. Um, I don't care for cantaloupe, but I, again, I live in Florida, so I'm surrounded by orange. 
Oranges are everywhere here. is the evilness of all melons. Um, you know what? That's the episode I want where they fight a cantaloupe monster. Please do that. And then it <laughs> explodes into orange, and because cantaloupe's evil, then we're all happy. Ta-da! <laughs> Um, but no, the, the point is, is going, it was pretty, the effects. I will say, and I feel really bad saying this, really bad, because one of the things that I find unwaveringly fantastic about this show is the VFX, is that I found the V, usually I can't spot the v, that the VFX is VFX, like, Obviously, there are things you know, like, um, you know the puff of smoke is the effects because they're not lighting purple firecrackers on set. And there are things you, you're, you intellectually know, but you don't, your brain doesn't see as the effects. You don't pin it out. But in the scene where Kane stabs uh, Tommy Tolliver, when the knife goes in, I was acutely aware that it was VFX, and it was really strange to me because I always find the stabbings on this show to be so seamless and so well done, and it was weird to actually notice it. So I found that quite strange. Um, I also found this, the the VFX of... Kane's uh, severed hand to be quite noticeable that it's it was superimposed movement, and those are things I never notice on Supernatural, and so I feel really bad noticing it, but I did. I always notice something about like when someone's hand is severed. It just to me, it just never looks right, no matter who. Who does it? Maybe just, that's what know. it is. And I know, like, when I used to, when I, um, I took art for several years, and I'm not a drawer in the least, but I, I sculpt, and I can sculpt hands very, very well. But I remember having conversations with other artists um, about drawing hands and just how it's the worst thing in life. They're difficult. To draw hands or feet. <laughs> and no, um, actually, I'm the worst is Oh, I never had that conversation, but maybe nobody I knew drew teeth. But um, yeah, yeah, that's they, why they're very mean, difficult. <laughs> very Everyone's difficult like close look right. That's yeah. why the Mona Lisa smiling like that teeth. <laughs> um, but I, and I get why hands would be difficult. I think they're probably easier to sculpt. Maybe they're not. Maybe maybe I'm just a maybe I'm just a good. I don't know. Just kidding. Um, but it is something that that I think requires a – I can't do anything else, though. Like, I, I, there's no other body part I can sculpt. I can't sculpt your head. No. I'll never sculpt a knee. I can't sculpt the inside Have you of tried the model? Yeah. This is something I did for a long time was sculpture. Mm-hmm. And I can do inanimate objects, but when it comes to body parts, hands are the one thing I can do really, really well. And mm-hmm. like I said, this, this prompted conversations with other artists where they're like, we don't know how you do this because hands suck. They're so hard. So um, I, I agree with you that severed hands always tend to look kind of bleh 
and weird. Mm-hmm. And I also mm-hmm. felt, and I feel this way a lot, and I was going to mention this, so it actually works what you're going to say. I found this, I found Kane's stump very obvious, but I tend to find stumps like that very obvious when it's the process mm-hmm. of the cutting. Um, not if you're showing me um, the limb once it's cauterized or, you know, a clean amputation or anything, and you're going on with the story like that. But in that moment, um, they, oh, they're just, it's never going to look right. It's just, I've yet to see anything where it looks right. I did find this where you could see how his arm, his forearm was too long for it. That it was like, that's a lot of wrist. Wow. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and the hand was, like I said, the hand was awkward. I found that, that stabbing awkward. And it's really strange because I, that is, I would have to really, really go back and completely do a full-on rewatch to find any other time where I found the VFX awkward. And that's what the VFX team has gone through huge overhauls throughout the past 10 years. And so it's not like you can say, well, they got somebody new in and now that's why. No, not remotely. So I just, I don't know if maybe there was some kind of struggle or they were pressed for time or I don't know. But it was really, it, it took me out for on both instances. It took me out of the moment. Which is very, very rare for me. I mean, like when I say rare, non-existent for me on this show. So I found that quite... Hmm. Odd. Do you have pictures of your hand sculpture? Pictures? No, and they're all in my dad's house. My favorite one, though, this is really, this goes to show why I'm going, ew, no pink, give me give me gross things. My favorite is, uh, without realizing how thick I had made a sculpture, uh, and it was my own hand at that point, I put it in the kiln and it exploded in the kiln. So it was just like, but it exploded in this way that was like huge ham chunks. <laughs> and then I splatter painted it and it was fantastic. That's my favorite <laughs> sculpture. So what I'm saying is, is I'm not right in the head. But, <laughs> <laughs> well, we knew that already. Oh. Right. <laughs> um, but, oh, I've, um, I've seen worse. No, I want to see if you find a picture to send it to me. I want to see. It is my oh, day yeah, job. To yeah. To my, <laughs> yeah, I'll go to my, well, next time I'm at my dad's house, I'll look around for stuff. He has most of my stuff in storage, but um, I'll poke around and see where he has some stuff. Um, then it's all stuff I did like half a lifetime ago. And it was, I thought I was going to be an amazing, I thought I was going to be a world renowned sculptor. This was going to be what I was going to do. Uh, turned mm-hmm. out, no. But um, yeah, so I, again, I, maybe that's why. And Susan, you can either tell me I'm right or tell me I'm absolutely ridiculous in this, being that it is your profession as well. Um, <laughs> and maybe maybe I tend to look for those things, whereas uh, maybe other people don't. Um, like, I tend to look at the makeup on the show a lot because that mm. is my current profession is makeup artistry. So I tend to, and I do want to say, I'll interrupt myself to say that, Sabrina did a fantastic job with with the makeup for Dean being um, beat up. I mean, mm. she beat up anyway, but it yes. was spectacular. So just really, really, really good. Um, 
and I am one of those people who's like obsessed with looking at like man makeup on TV shows because the whole point is to not see it. So I'm constantly mm-hmm. looking for it. Um, and I never really see hers um, in terms of the male actors on the show. And, um, but her, I mean, I'll, you know, you kind of have to see the, whenever there's, you know, blood and cuts and bruises because that's, you know, obvious, but it's fantastically natural. So that was really, really great. But yeah, I do feel like sometimes I overly look for those, um, artsy moments in a, in a TV show. So that might be why. Speaking of makeup, speaking of makeup, mm-hmm. uh, Ruth, Ruth Connell's eye makeup as Rowena is so gorgeous. That's all I can look at sometimes. Oh, cool. <laughs> it's so beautiful, and that's a compliment, of course, to Sabrina, and it's gorgeous. But sometimes I don't I don't hear what she's saying. I don't know you what's know, going I, on the rest of the scene. I'm just fascinated by her, I by agree. her beautiful eye makeup. <laughs> I agree. Sometimes I'm not listening to the dialogue because I'm really looking at Rowena's makeup, and it is fantastic. But I agree. Sometimes I have to go back and like pay attention to her, what she's saying, what mm-hmm. she's on about, because I'm I'm too busy watching her. her yeah, I'm like entranced by her the, eyeshadow. <laughs> yeah, I'm watching her eyes move around the makeup, and it's 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 mm. gorgeous. It's fantastic work. Um, mm. But speaking of Rowena, we touched on it a little bit. Um, I love the way she went off on Crowley at the end. Absolutely loved it. Her, oh, me too. Yeah. Um, I'm not entirely sure how genuine it was. Um, I think it was maybe. genuine. I think I it was a good thing for what it was. I really it might hope be the it first was. genuine scene we've seen of her. And I, I, I thought it was the first time I didn't, I didn't think that she was almost a caricature, you know, mm-hmm. where she was putting on and over-exaggerating. I thought that's like we finally got some of the real her. Under all that. And yeah, I, like, oh, I, I hope okay. it's real because it was really cool. So I hope it was yeah. genuine because her mm-hmm. – because you have to think if you are those type of uh, people or mortals, whatever you want to call them, um, to finally find your son and find out that the son you gave up has become – I guess it would be the equivalent of giving your son your son up for adoption or your child up for adoption and then like – finding them 40 years later and they're the president and then mm-hmm. you're like, whoa, my son is the president. You move into the White House and then your son is just like the worst chief, commander-in-chief ever all of a sudden after like one and three quarters terms of being fantastic at it. The minute you show up, you're like, wow, you are just letting everybody run over the secretary of state to smack you in the head and you're fine with it. Really? Wow. That's my analogy. Um, mm-hmm. I am watching a political satire show right now. So that's probably where that analogy came from. But the point stands uh, that I do. I, I hope it was completely genuine because it was the first time I really truly believed the character. Mm-hmm. And I, I hope that we see some kind of real path for her aside from this, you know, vague, the coven's out to get me thing. Um, I'd like to, I'd like to see, and like I said, I'd like to see that all this sets Crowley on some kind of path. He needs a path. 
Yes, I want Crowley to get back to being the scary king mm-hmm. of hell. He's just—I don't like wussy king of hell. I don't want scary king of hell. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right I really, now, like, like I—he's—he's he's Spike with a chip, and and I love Spike with a chip, but you, there was something lost in the character when that happened. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I, I really thought that maybe this this is the beginning of the return of the Crowley, the evil, truly evil Crowley that we love and, and miss. So if it took, you know, Dean betraying him and then his mother um, saying the things she did, I, I'm i okay with this. We go back to badass, badass Crowley. <laughs> go on with because, like, Crowley in, in season six is my favorite Crowley. Um, and even though, you know, in retrospect, he's working with, with Cass. And, but it's also one of my favorite Casses, which is weird, again, that my favorite times for both characters are when they're absolutely betraying Sam and Dean. But, you know, whatever. If everyone's perfect all the time, then stuff is boring. Um but I, I, I would like to really, really see something like that back again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I want to give a shout out to Jensen in this episode because he, he just went through pretty oh. much every emotion. What? Are you disagreeing? <laughs> no, I was, I was about to say I feel so bad because I meant to, but I kept talking, kept talking about Amundsen so much. <laughs> Shame. <laughs> Jensen's in my notes. He's all over my notes. <laughs> oh, poor Jensen. <laughs> Abandoned. Um, but I mean, he. I, well, you know, and and, and I hate to say it because we see Jensen every week, so we're a little bit used to him being so amazing. And I guess we're just used to seeing him and and Jared every single week, you know, being so wonderful and and you know, picking up the slack and going above and beyond and all that. So we kind of got a little distracted by, by Tim for this one because we don't, of course, see him nearly as often. But I'm actually kind of looking through screen caps and I, I'm looking at the ones where it's at the end in the fight and he's um, taken, taken Kane's hand and he's just, he's devastated and he knows what he's got to do and he doesn't want to do it because he knows what it means for him and the look on his face and in his eyes, everything. It's just incredible and heartbreaking. I mean, he was amazing this episode. That little smile. A, a lot of what Jensen did in this episode was just such, it was such small movements. Mm-hmm. That were, like that little smile he gives Sam when he's going mm-hmm. up the stairs. And he's he's essentially going to what what he figures is going to be his death in some way. Either he beats Mm -hmm. Cain or Cain beats him. And if he beats Cain, he doesn't know what that's going to do to him. Right. So he doesn't know the the person who's going to come back. Because, you know, you you kill him and he's probably going to be a demon again anymore. So whatever. But he doesn't know who's coming back down those stairs. And he's still just gives that little smile to his baby brother and it's mm-hmm. heartbreaking. 
And we discussed it a little bit in terms of like, you know, the look he's giving at the end when he walks out of the, I think it's the kitchen they're in. Um, that look that he, you know, you can read different ways, but it's that same thing. It's just these, these little movements that Jensen does with his face that convey so much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Jensen, Jensen was, again, he was amazing. He's, Jensen and Jared both are just fantastic. And Jensen was, he did his own stunt in that fight. And Except for that, the glass. Yeah, exactly. Except for the glass, and it, it was just—it's so—it's so great when the actors are able to do their own stunts because you know mm-hmm. you're like unlike with Buffy and Angel, you know you always notice you know the other uh, you know the stunt people <laughs> always, and so when the actors are able to do the stunts, it just makes it so much more believable. And always I'm always grateful. The joke on Buffy because her her stunt double uh, had a larger chest than her. And she right. always said the, the strap on my fighting boobs joke. Yeah. Uh, because, yeah, you could always see that. Yeah. There is something yeah. so genuine and committed to when you have, I'm sure it's fun for them also, but it also, it helps the viewer stay in the moment when there's mm-hmm. no obvious jumps between this is the stunt double, this is the actor. And Supernatural does a really good job about that anyway because, you know, they do have stunt doubles um, and you're not overly aware of it. So they do a good job of that anyways, but um, mm-hmm. it's... Yeah. You know. and, and we see one fight, but that fight is made up of many scenes and many takes, so... You know, and Jensen and isn't getting hours. tossed around just once. You know, he's been rolling, rolling on the floor many times, and and or through um, the window, well, not as much. But yeah, so it's not just <laughs> not just one fight. It's like many fights <laughs> from many angles. <laughs> so yeah, oddly enough, um, and he's no youngster we'll anymore. <laughs> no, when we get when what gives me appreciation for actors when it comes to things like that is. Uh, one year, Becky and I were in Vancouver in the fall, and we watched uh, filming of Arrow. And we watched Stephen Amell run in the rain for hours. And it was all the same. It was pretty much, what, two different scenes, Beck? Uh, I, think it, just, I think it was just two it different was scenes. Down the alley and then down the alley and in the, the building. Road. And, oh, okay, oh so there was three. Three. So he did three running scenes in one day, and he ran for hours and hours and hours. And we both went, well, that's why we don't act. (laughs) (laughs) You know, you think when people just, you know, oh, well, obviously you get paid a lot to just show up and say words. But it is a very active job to have. Um, and so, yeah, anytime I see somebody, like, run on TV now or run in a movie now, I'm like, oh, my God, you're so tired, aren't you? God, you're tired. And you probably have to show up at, like, 6 in the morning for makeup. You are exhausted. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, in terms of things like that, like you're saying, you know, we see, you know, anywhere from 2 to 10 minutes of 
of fighting or running or whatever, but it's, it's expensive. Mm. And, you know, they could easily say, you know, no, you know, that guy has my build and, and his, the back of his head resembles the back of my head. Just get him to do it. And they don't do that. Mm-hmm. And, and as a viewer, I appreciate that a lot. Yes. Um, the moment when Dean does <laughs> supposedly, <laughs> allegedly, kill Cain, and and <laughs> and and it is it is a gorgeous scene where where Cain is kneeling on the ground and his head is bowed and all that hair and he's holding his his arm. And then Dean doesn't kill him matter-of-factly. If I mean, I, I, I could be wrong. It's well over 200 episodes. I don't recall Dean making so much out of a killing moment as he does that one. I mean, he really winds up and, and howls like, like an animal and does it. And usually it's, he's just doing the job. You know, I read that two ways in terms of you know in terms of viewing it. On one hand, I saw it as it's that all the frustration, all the anguish in Dean, everything he's been through, everything that's putting everybody else through, and that while he asked for it, and Cain told him there were consequences, you know, Cain could have been a bit more. You know, he could have maybe made a chart better, you know, a little bit of a primer, a user manual, something, but he didn't. Yeah. He told Dean it's going to suck, but he didn't really say how it was going to suck. Also, I would imagine mm-hmm. stabbing someone through, you know, their head, because he didn't cut off his head, which is what I was expecting at first. He seemed to either stab him in the head or stab him in the spinal column. I don't know. But that takes through a lot the of neck, strength. maybe. Yeah, the neck. Well, they get that whole like spinal area, neck. You know, I don't know if he did neck, middle of the shoulders, whatever he did, because all that's gonna kill you. Um, or you know, the, I didn't get the idea that he he stabbed him in the head. I got the idea that it was like you're saying, neck, shoulder, back, something like that. Anyway. But also it tied into the title, which was the Executioner's Song being, you know, it, it worked twofold for, for Dean and for Kane because Kane allowed himself to become an executioner and basically dole out judgment um, in terms of what he felt he was responsible for, but he was executing, he was doling out these judgments. And in the end, he became the executioned. So it, it worked with the title and, you know, the whole body language of him being, you know, kneeling with his head down was just, you know, it, it all it all worked and was very... I, 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 also, I hate to use this word for this because it's, it's really more, but it was beautiful. It really was. Hmm. I, I kind of also took it as he felt like, you know, by him having to kill Cain, he... That's what he's he's going he's he's kind of killing himself mm-hmm. because that's what's going to happen to him and if he has to mm-hmm. kill Cain then he someone's going to have to kill him. Yeah, I think it was just a very emotional kill for Dean where not a whole lot of kills for Dean tend to be overly emotional. They tend to be business. 
and this was this was oh god I, as I'm saying this I hate myself for it this time it was personal <laughs> um, but I I do um I think it was I think it was very deliberate and I think there I think there was good use of the action and the the title tie into it. Yeah. Which is also a book. Actually mm-hmm. it was a book first and a movie yes. with Tommy Lee Jones about Gary Gilmore. Okay, I'm checking the um, Twitter real quick, and Demons in Seattle is trending. Is that a movie or something that I don't know about? What is Demons in Seattle? <laughs> or is something happening we should be aware of in Seattle? <laughs> <laughs> that like, is very close to Seattle. <laughs> hmm, I don't know. Demons in Seattle. Well, it's about that time for a crazy Oh, it's apparently movie, it's but... a... Uh, uh, apparently, it's something with the um, go- those um, ghost adventures, Zach Baggins, and them, the ones that are friends with Chad Lindbergh. Oh, apparently, okay. something to do with them. Interesting. So, you know, it does relate. It does. I was just oh, looking at their episode that's on right now or something. I don't know, but it's something to do with them. Interesting that it's and they were at the first, they were at the first Vegas convention because mm-hmm. we saw them walking around. Hmm. Um, I was just reading a, a just a little re- reminder about the original the book, the Executioner's Song by Norman Mailer, and just it, describing Gary Gilmore. It's interesting. He said, you know, he was um, he served time for a robbery, and then when he got out, he got involved with this woman and her kids. And he says, despite his efforts to reform himself, Gilmore's self-destructive behavior led to fighting, stealing, and using drugs. Um, broke up with the woman, and that's when he, he murdered two people in two different robberies. And then he was sentenced to death, and of course he fought to to let his execution go through, even though the, the state kept delaying it. But I thought, well, it's that sort of vaguely kind of relates in that he tried to reform himself, but, but couldn't. So you could say Cain says, you know, there's there's no cure. There's just relapse and remission. So maybe that's why this was chosen as the title of the episode, because it I vaguely imagine relates. Robert Barron's seems like the kind of book he would have been very well aware of. Mm-hmm. Um, Something you just said made me think about something else the episode with that. Oh, I do find it interesting. It was almost like it was almost like Cain was making Dean prove to him that he should kill that he was worthy of killing Cain. Because it is odd that he tells him the last time he sees him that, you know, next time you see me I want you to kill me and then he fights Dean on it. And I thought mm-hmm. that was odd at first, but then I wonder if, yeah, he was like, you know, technically you're going, if he really believes that there's only relapse and remission, was he making sure that Dean was still worthy? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because if you're the father of murder, you don't want to die from a bad taco or something. You know, you want to... <laughs> <laughs> <Wow. laughs> 
you want to make sure you know your your death is worthy, you know, of of your title and the way you've lived your life. You know, right? You don't want to just cross mm-hmm. the street badly. And go, yeah, up uh, and go. Oops. <laughs> yeah. What? No, and that's. I wondered that as well because at first I thought the uh, on my first viewing, like I said, I had a lot of like little like gripes and annoyances, and I thought, you know, you this is what you asked for. Why are you fighting it? Are you kidding me? And then once I thought about it, I thought, you know, well, maybe he is there. There's twofold in the way I thought about it. It was one of those where it's one of those things where you resign yourself to something, and then once it's in occurrence, you're like, wait, 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 no, I'm not, I'm not actually ready for this yet. And on the other hand, mm-hmm. you know, was he just making sure that this was, like I say, are you are you worthy of my legacy? Are you, I chose you? I said you were worthy, but are you really? Mm-hmm. The way I saw it was he was kind because Dean wasn't really in the fight, you know, at the beginning. And, you know, Dean really didn't want to do it. And Mm -hmm. I think the whole thing with him going off and killing all these people that he's been killing and then fighting Dean was to get Dean to do it. I think that was the whole point of it. He knows he he wanted to die. He wanted to die. He knows the only way to die is being killed with the blade. Um, so, cause he even specifically tells Castiel, you know, I didn't kill, you know, he tells Dean or whatever that the reason he didn't count, you know, kill Castiel or whatever is because he knew Castiel would go and tell him and he would come back with the blade. So I think the whole thing was just to get Dean to kill him. He wanted to die. I don't quite, I'm not saying you're wrong. Um, I don't quite see it that way because I think he went to a lot of trouble to essentially hide. Um, I think he's just, he's finally just done with it all, was ready to just... Well, and I think that he was, but I think it was also, I think it was him being... I do think that he was done when he told Dean he was done, and I think he was done once he realized Dean he was willing to go out with Dean as his executioner. Um, like Susan saying, you know, you don't want to die of a bad taco when you're a bass, you know, which uh, every time I keep seeing that, I just keep thinking of that of, um, mystery spot. But, um, <laughs> but mm-hmm. it is the same, it is the same idea of, you know, it, he doesn't, nece- he didn't necessarily want cast to show up with the blade. Because who are you? If you're Kane, who's Cass? Same thing with Crowley. Crowley shows up with the blade. If you're Kane, who's Crowley? Um, it had to, you know, he could eat anybody theoretically could stand there with the blade and kill. I still don't understand that, though. I don't understand it. But we'll go with, with the current, what they're showing us currently. Anybody could you know, chop off his head with the first blade and be done with it. I don't think I so. Think, I, don't, I see. I, that's why I said I'm going with what they're currently showing us. Because first, I, I, my, my, ever since they brought on the first blade is, look at that thing. How could it kill anybody? I mean, it's just... Because that's you know, in the Bible. It, it doesn't look sharp. You know, it, that's what I'm saying. You know, it doesn't look like a dangerous weapon. Unless you bonk somebody over the head with it, is the only thing it could look like it could do any damage. 
And um, so I think the only way that it can do damage is if someone who has the mark of Cain is using it. Well, no, in the Bible, it is that is he does kill kill his brother with. It's yeah, like, but this is they fashioned oh. it directly. After, but they fashioned it directly from the Bible. I, I don't. Think I, they're, I, I mm. understand. I understand that. Jawbone of an ass. Yeah. But I'm talking about on the show though, which you already know they've already changed the story there. I think mm. on the show, that's what it. Uh, no, uh, I I do I do honestly think that they fashioned it just to match the Bible. Oh yeah, I do too. I don't but think there's anything saying, ulterior there. I'm saying, but if you look at it, it doesn't look like it could do any damage. So, I mean, like I said, unless you bonk somebody over the head with it. So, (laughs) I think the only way it can do damage is with the Mark of Cain. And that's just my, that's my, that's the way I look at it. I'm probably completely wrong. And the next episode, they'll show Austin using it and killing somebody. But, um, (laughs) You know, in my well, we opinion, haven't seen anybody else works. kill with it, correct? We haven't seen anybody else kill with it. But right. I mean, and it is implied so. that there is a power tied to it, but it it, mm-hmm. it, it has no it it it's ah uh, one of our listeners for all intents and purposes it's dormant it's dormant Dog without Paw the person. Dog Paw hmm? DK says, and I remember it now. Dog Potty K on Twitter said, in Blade Runners, they said that without the mark, the blade is just a blade. I remember No, that. yeah, that's what I was going to say. They've shown us that it's it's technically dormant without the, the holder being there. But um, I do think that I feel like Kane wanted Dean to prove his worthiness. I don't think he was – I don't think he was trying to make Dean find him because he could have found Dean, and I think Dean – would have done Cain that favor because especially what Dean's going through now. And if Cain can't help him, I do think Dean would have done Cain the favor. I do think Cain literally, I do, I do believe the canon of what the the story told us in this episode. I do think that it broke Cain, that Cain just went, you know what? I, I was doing really well with my beekeeping and my corn, but this dude showed up screwed up my life again and now I just mm-hmm. have to kill all the things. And I and he mm-hmm. you know, he he says it's also a guilt that he's carrying. He's killing his descendants. Mm-hmm. Um he's killing his bloodline because he does feel that guilt and I do think he kinda wanted to do that before Dean got to him. I, I or it do as much as he could because he tells Cass that Dean is on his list. And the implication is that Sam is on his list, and Baron said that there was more to that where he does detail that it is Sam and Dean are on his list, but it got cut for apparently confused looks about basketball. I don't know. Anyway. Um, <laughs> I must question some editing choices this season. He I, said I, it um, got cut for time. That's, he said yeah. it got cut for time. I'm going to go with basketball. Because that was a uh, yeah, moment. that'd be a choice um, or a little bit of Rowena carrying on about coming. I still think we could have cut the. We could have cut the. Where'd you put my blade? We could have cut that. <laughs> really could have cut that. Anyway, um, but I do think not. I do think that. I do think that. Um, I think that. 
I believe what Kane is saying is that he, that it was him saying, I need to take care of as much business as I can while I can. But if I do this, theoretically, the Winchesters are going to find me. It's just how long can they, how long before they find me? Hmm. Because nothing he really tells Cass helps Sam figure out the information that gets them to Austin. Austin the kid, not Austin the city. Um, (laughs) uh, Nothing he tells him gets Cass there. He doesn't give Cass any helpful information aside from what he's doing. But he doesn't have, nothing he tells Cass helps them find him. So I do think that he wanted to get through his spree, and I think he had Dean on his list last, that that was going to be his battle to the end. Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Um, In the fight, and Dean has lost the blade. He's gone through the glass, the window, and he's lost the blade. Why doesn't he call it to him? Instead of I thought about that as well. Although we do see, um, I can't think of the name of the episode. I've gotten so bad about it. But the episode where he kills Abaddon and he calls the blade to himself, we do mm-hmm. see that it took a lot of effort. Mm-hmm. And at that point, he had had a very he had had a mm-hmm. an ongoing connection with the blade going, and mm-hmm. he hasn't had the blade in a long time. So I'm going to chalk it up to that because I'm going to be nice about it. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's a it's an occasionally it occasionally I can be nice. <laughs> um we're starting to wind down in the last 15 17 minutes of our live show. Um is there anything Becky like any news, any contest, anything going on that we should pour it on? About the show, the site, et cetera, before we. Tomorrow's Jensen's birthday. So happy mm-hmm. birthday, Jensen. Yeah. Um, Grumpy old man. The <laughs> <laughs> uh, Vegas convention's coming up in a couple weeks, and Vinny and I will be going to that. And uh, we may, we're, might be doing a special podcast from there. We're not sure. We're, we're going to work on that. Cross your fingers, and if everybody crosses mm-hmm. their fingers, trust me, you'll like it. Uh, <laughs> yes, cross your fingers, throw some salt over your shoulder. <laughs> all, all the good luck ritual you may have. Uh, <laughs> um, we will, like Becky said, she and I will be there. So if you see us, come say hi. Um, Despite how grumpy I am on the podcast, I'm actually really nice in real life. Uh, <laughs> she is equally nice as she is on the podcast as in real life. So, you know, there's not going to be a surprise there. But I'm actually <laughs> nice. So come say hi. I, and I can vouch for that. So, yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, I'll be the chick hobbling around. She'll be the chick helping me hobble. Um. Mm. I think that's it. We will be there all four days. We'll be there, and we are getting there Wednesday. So, again, just come say hi. And we'll, um, we'll be tweeting from the from the 
uh, convention too. So follow us on Twitter yeah, for the any tweets. Pa- any panels that we make it to, we will be tweeting from. Uh, I mentioned. And this the con is distinct. Yeah, this um, con is distinguished by the first appearance of Jeffrey Dean Morgan. So yeah, say I'm hoping uh, you guys will make that panel at least. Oh, you yes. cannot so give me away from For health, yeah, health reasons, I can't, it's a huge hotel and I can't hobble to all the panels. Um, so if we do miss a panel or, a panel or so, um, we apologize. But, you know, we will, of course, be making the effort to go to uh, panels that are especially rare for cons, you know, uh, I will leave her at Jeffrey Morgan. Yeah, she will abandon me. I will Jeffrey leave Morgan. her at no to Jeffrey Morgan. So. <laughs> Let me. Okay, here's the thing. She won't have to because I will crawl to that panel <laughs> if I have to. Um, there is no mistaking that. I will. Yeah, she. We will put a blanket down. She can drag me through the hall. It will be fine. We'll get there. Uh, so, and um, obviously, uh, Amundsen as well will be uh, making the effort to go to his panel, no matter how bad I feel, because, again, rare. rare. <laughs> also, hair. Um, but, all, but really, no, but seriously, the hair. Oh, the hair. Mm, it is magnificent. So, yes, um, we will be there. Um, and then the week after that, the show will be back on Wednesdays. On Wednesdays. On Wednesday, Wednesday the 18th. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. Yes. Okay. And um, a Nine few, o'clock after Arrow. Yeah, you know, we, we got a mismatch of, for the upcoming episodes like the show does, uh, they'll give you a mismatch of promo for for the upcoming episodes. So it's been first few episodes coming back. So it seems a little disjointed in terms of the promotion, but, you know, slowly uh, episode um, synopsis have come out. So we already have these synopsis on our website for the upcoming episode, which will be by Jenny Klein. So that'll be our first episode podcast coming back in the middle end of March before I forgot the name of the episode already. The Things They Carried? The Things They Carried. Yeah, it's a lot of those, The Things They Carried, The Things He Carried, The the Grocery Bags, to the, I don't know. But yes, <laughs> we carried stuff. As opposed to uh, The Things We Left Behind. Also yeah, and that's, and that's why it keeps messing me up. That's the reason it keeps messing me up, actually. Um, and that will be um, a Monster of the Week episode. So... Mm. And, and a returning character. There's a returning character. Yes. Mm-hmm. I don't know if people have read it, so we won't spoil it because the character was not in the promotional package for the upcoming episode. So I won't say anything, but I'm glad to see the character come back personally. Me too. Um, mm-hmm. Me too. It's a yep. character that Me too. Uh, the three of us have all enjoyed. Mm-hmm. And That should narrow it down. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, she's right. Um, <laughs> that was that. Yeah, that was accurate. Um, <laughs> but we uh, let's see what else. There was something.
anything else episode related? Um, T-shirts. We have T-shirt things happening. We're still doing the T-Tuesday. Yes, we'll still be doing T-shirt Tuesday. And even when the show moves to Wednesdays, we will still be doing SPN Tuesday. Yes, because it just sounds good. T's and Tuesdays. We we yeah. like alliteration. <laughs> um, Us and Marvel. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that's all the housekeeping we have as of right now. But, of course, anything that comes out, make sure you're following us on Facebook and Twitter because that's where we'll post it. Yeah. Um, Is Jensen's T-shirt sale over? I think that's... Yeah. Yeah. No. That wrapped up. Yeah, Uh it is. It ended yesterday. Did I lose track of a day somewhere? I did lose track of a day. I thought I had one more day still. Okay. Yeah, because I already got the email from the company and all that stuff about it. Okay, I oh. lost track of a day somewhere. That's interesting because I did not. Well, they were saying my address. Well, the one I got was they said my address was wrong. And I went and looked and I'm like, uh, no, it's not. That's my address. <laughs> <laughs> I would Thank know. Thank you very much, but I know where I live. I know uh, where I am. Um, Oops. And Mark Shepard Mark has a shirt. Yeah, I was, Mark Shepard has a shirt right now. Uh, neither Mark nor Jensen have specified their current charities. I assume Mark's is still for type 1 diabetes, but um, I'm not sure, to be honest. Um, I don't think he's clarified. No. Oh, and um, Pellegrino's Kickstarter. Oh, yeah, I don't... I think it's a thing. It's, it's a, he's not in it, but his wife is. It's a right. movie for suicide prevention. Yes. So um, we have retweeted that. So go ahead and check our timeline for that. Um, Follow Mark R. Pellegrino on Twitter. Oh, AKA yeah. Lucifer. <laughs> but it's um, it's only got twelve days to go, and it's a little less than half funded. And half funded, and it's um. I think it's an important thing that should get made. So if you do have a little bit of of money to throw that way, you know, it is Kickstarter, so there's obviously perks involved. So um, even, just, even a dollar or two helps, so. Yeah. Even a dollar or two helps. Uh, but I think, you know, given the, given the current climate of, you know, everyone's trying to be, I'm trying to be very delicate about this, um, in terms of suicide prevention, mental health, anti-bullying, as the world gets smaller because of social media, I think it's important for everybody, to, for people to support things like this because, like I said, I feel like the world is getting smaller through these kind of things. So I find it to be an important movie that should get made. Mm. And I cannot think of anything else. Anything else about the episode? We didn't get anybody calling in, but it's a little bit late now. <laughs> um. <laughs> no, I guess, like I said, <laughs> I liked it. I like it. I liked it more as I watched it. Um, 
minor nitpicks, but that seems to be the current trend in episodes for the past, what, four episodes so far? Our nitpicks have been yeah. quite minor. Yeah, been an awesome um, So I think the last episode I really disliked was whatever the Charlie episode was. Uh, Which I liked. I liked it. Yes. Um, I'm saying, you know, <laughs> as a group, as a group, um, since then we've all been really happy with the episodes, and that's a huge thing. <laughs> so, uh, huge. <laughs> you know, go go team, go team Supernatural, go team writer staff. Yeah. I'm still impressed that that. Dean can just call up the king of hell and text him. That's like in hell. Self-service. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. I find it hilarious that both Sam and Dean can do it because, you know, one's moose and one's not moose. And he, you know, and he will answer. He's not going, you know what, I'm busy. He's going, wait, mother, I have to take this call. I'm so sorry, but not, not moose is calling me and he might want to hang out. Oh, oh! This is something. Shouldn't the King of Hell be able to afford a better handheld video game than the one he was playing? <laughs> I think that was supposed to be the joke, though. I think it was the joke. Though. I think that was part of the joke. Is okay. Because I was like, that's really, really old. <laughs> yeah, I, I just assumed that was the joke. Was that he's playing oh. Snake and the old school version. Another thing I, I loved know. about the episode, another thing I loved, and it reminded me because we were talking about Crowley, he was holding the game, and then he was talking to a crossroads demon, which reminded me that Dean used a line from my all-time favorite crossroads demon, Ona Grauer, it's a fire sale and everything yeah. must go. Yeah. Really, really cool, cool, cool. As soon as he said Love that, it. yeah, that's exactly what everybody thought was Ona Yep, she's my favorite. Oh, Crowley should be your favorite. <laughs> well, he's my favorite you just king of hell. The tree. You just, yeah, but he was a crossroads demon. I know. What you say. <laughs> I know. Whoops. Mark Shepard can hear you. I don't know how, I can, but he can hear you. Trust me. I can only hope my cell phone service in hell will be as good as his. <laughs> I'll, I'll call yeah, him. I <laughs> mm. nope. oh, no, yeah. I wanted to give a mm-hmm. shout out. We talked about it before the podcast, too. The, um, Christopher Leonard, Jay Gruska, who did the music, because the music I thought in this episode was gorgeous. And I, I I love hearing the Winchester family theme song there at the end when um, the camera closes in on Sam and he says the Dean's in trouble and you could hear the Winchester family theme playing a little bit there. Loved it, loved it, loved it. Mm. Yeah, I especially love the music in in this one, and especially at the beginning, the the soundtrack, not the necessarily the song. Played with the soundtrack just at the beginning in the prison when Kane came yeah. down death row. Oh, they so, did it, did it so well, so creepy. Mm-hmm. Very creepy. Really, really great. We will note my right. silence on this subject. <laughs> That's okay. 
you're out now. I, I found that the music was the music was uh, my my problem with the music is that I noticed the music. I found I found it not that it was bad music. It was it was quite nice, but I it was it was very noticeable, and that I don't I'm not a big fan of that in terms of um, score. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not I don't I don't think score should overshadow, and I do feel like it did a bit. Doesn't um, matter. Susan and I loved it so. Yep. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> nope. It was gorgeous. It's perfect. Didn't bother me at all. And you. <laughs> and so again, you were cutting out for me. Your phone's kind of cutting out for me, so you only count as half a vote. So. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. So. <laughs> okay. Well, um, I think that's it. I'm gonna go eat dinner and watch more things with Peter Capaldi in them. That he's going to keep making fun of me for watching things with Peter Capaldi in them, and Vegas will be a Vegas will be a no Capaldi zone. I'm telling, I'm saying that. I'm going to make sure watch. I'm going to make sure watch so much Capaldi. You guys don't even know. Keep keep an eye on her personal Twitter account for all of it because I'm going to torture her with Peter Capaldi. No. Speaking of, Scottish things, <laughs> speaking of Scottish things, I'm excited about season two of Broadchurch, the the UK Broadchurch starting this week. Yeah. Speaking of Scottish <laughs> things, David Tennant. <laughs> David Tennant, yes. <laughs> Who's also um, a valiant Scotsman of a doctor. He is probably my favorite doctor, but right now I have to go watch Peter Capaldi beat Peter Capaldi. Well, you go enjoy Peter Capaldi. I still have last week's The Walking Dead to watch. Um, I'm sure Becky will have something good to watch. And, and we, we enjoyed watching the Executioner song. <laughs> and hopefully, you know, give us about two weeks-ish till VegasCon and everybody cross your fingers for things. Yes. All right. Thanks for listening, everyone. Good night, everyone. Bye. Bye. Hey, I'm Jared Padalecki. And this is Jensen Ackles. And you're listening to Winchester Radio.